0: All right, welcome into this very special edition of the Sooner Sports Podcast. It's the tailgate. My name is Chris Plank, and typically on our late-week edition, depending on when you download, if you catch it on Thursday at Soonersports.tv slash podcast or on Friday over Digimedia, whichever one works better for you, uh, this is usually whenever we go in-depth in previewing an opponent for college football. This is usually where we take some time to really look at the matchups between Oklahoma and and Texas Tech. Uh, but I wanted to kind of pause a little bit this week. Not that there isn't an, anything overly intriguing about OU and Texas Tech. And if you uh, stay tuned to the Sooner Sports Podcast, it's a very good chance that we'll drop a special edition tomorrow featuring Neville Gallimore, Jordan Evans, and Mark Andrews, whom we sat down with earlier this week. And if you haven't had a chance yet, the Neville Gallimore feature that Jessica Cootie put together is absolutely fantastic. Do yourself a favor and and make sure you check that out. But every year, and, and sometimes twice during the year, we love to sit down with Joe Castiglione. We set a date, we go sit in his office, and we just shoot the breeze for about 30 minutes uh, or as much time as he can give us on everything related to OU athletics, on everything from you know, future plans to uh, Joe's administrative tree and how it's grown. And I always like to shine a focus on people that don't typically get headlines. You know, you'll always read about the Bob Stoops and the Lon Krugers and the Sherry Coles and the Patty Gassos, but there's a a group of hundreds behind the scenes that help make game day a reality, that help make uh, making sure that teams get from point A to point B a reality. And I always like to pull back the curtain a little bit with Joe C. And we shall do that today. And I'm very excited about that coming up here in mere moments but a couple of quick notes if you will a few announcements before we get going uh Friday night is a big night on campus yes all eyes are geared towards Lubbock OU Texas Tech primetime Saturday night Baker returns to Lubbock Dennis Simmons Lincoln Riley Bill Beanbow all former assistant coaches at Texas Tech returning to Lubbock how about this Kerry Cooks defensive backs coach making his first ever trip to Lubbock that's that's kind of cool but on campus, there are two major events going on on Friday night. First, soccer, as Matt Potter's crew looks to continue on what has been an amazing regular season, they'll square off in their final home match of the season against Kansas. That's wild, right? Final home match of the season already for soccer. That's Saturday, a Friday night, excuse me, at seven o'clock. At the exact same time, one of the greatest teams currently in professional softball will be playing one of the great teams in college softball right now as Patty Gasso's defending national champion Oklahoma Sooners will square off against the u triple Pride. They feature uh, technically three former Sooners. Kalani Ricketts is over in Japan playing right now, so she won't be here on Friday night. But Shelby Pinley and Lauren Chamberlain are both back in town on Friday night as there will be an exhibition game played against the Sooners. For tickets to both the soccer match and to see an incredible softball experience, you can log on to Soonersports.com for more information. Volleyball's on the road this weekend. Volleyball's on the road for a couple of weeks, but they return home and play five of their last six matches at home. So that's a big deal for Santiago Restrepo's crew after the tough loss they had on Saturday against Kansas State. They'll take on Baylor and Waco this weekend and we're really getting into high gear as we count down to the basketball season the pick six tickets that are available online right now you can actually get the kansas game as the very first game in your pick six for the men's basketball team and you can also end up getting bedlam tickets or tickets to florida whenever they take on the florida gators that game in norman so log on right now the pick six available at sooner as we count down to the start of the women's and men's college basketball season all right without any further ado let's sit down with the athletic director for the university of oklahoma he is joe castiglione wow what a year you, you and i've been trying to do this for a couple of weeks now uh you, you're a busy man but i know it's kind of general and it's and it's not the most inquisitive question but Overall, in the past 365 days, just a state of athletics. You've got to feel great about basketball, softball, both gyms, football after the final four, how this team has bounced back through the first five games. It's been a pretty special 365, hasn't it?
1: It certainly has, Chris. And, uh, yeah, we're, gosh, a couple months now into the new academic year, and it seems a little odd to reflect back on, you know, such great success that's (laughs) happened. You know, in our world, you just have to turn the page everybody asks you know have you stopped to smell the roses you don't get to do you <laughs> by the time i get there they're clipped or wilted <laughs> but uh, maybe that's good yeah. we pushed this back then so we could have some time to reflect on it you know there'll be a time where any of us get a chance to reflect but when you're in the cauldron you're always uh maybe having that moment of celebration right after a great achievement but you move on to the next thing because there are a lot of other sports my wife told me a lot of years ago she said you know you you don't have a season you're in season all year long and so uh, that's true but that's a great thing about what I do and special opportunity that I have in this profession and being at a place like Oklahoma the work around such uh, talented skilled coaches who identify the best and the brightest to bring in the campus and what we can do to invest in their experience and uh, help them be successful. And if they're successful, then we're all successful.
0: I've learned so much from you in how I view it. And, and I've always been thankful for that because I think when I first started, I was very much pigeonholed as it's all about football. It's only basketball. But you've always I, – I, I think in a way, and maybe unknowingly, I, I've always felt challenged by you to have that broader vision and to see more than just, you know, two sports. And I think if fans take that same approach – and they took that broad vision. Boy, there is it's nonstop. Joe, there's something always going on. For instance, after we get done with football, I'm walking over to McCaslin to do volleyball. Then after we get done with volleyball, uh, we're going getting ready for soccer next Friday. Then we're gonna get in a car and we're gonna go to Lubbock for a Saturday. I mean, there's so much that goes on and it's all good. And it's in the facilities and the student athletes, it's a pretty special environment that you built here. We wanted to be
1: in that sentence where people describe the best overall athletic programs. We certainly understand what allows us to have the kinds of dreams that can be funded (laughs) the right way (laughs) happens when successful programs like football generate that kind of revenue, and certainly basketball and other sports have generated more revenue, but they're not anywhere near being able to fund themselves. But we want... Each of our student athletes to feel like they can have a great experience, that they don't have you know, a subpar experience as compared to other institutions. And you know they choose to come to Oklahoma because of a lot of things, that being just part of it. And then we talk about the athletic success and you see what they're doing academically as well, where we've had absolutely you know, nine straight semesters of a cumulative GPA of 3.0 or better. Uh, we've had record, graduation rates we had several student athletes this past year receive very notable academic awards we had our first ever student athlete chosen for the homecoming court and it sounds like a jim carmichael that's a big deal Mm -hmm. you know that's a huge deal because for a lot of years people felt like you know maybe this exists on a lot of other campuses And it probably, you know, at times existed here on on this campus. I can't deny that. But we are all one. You know, we're part of one campus. We're an extension of the institutional mission. Yes, we are this big, huge picture window to a lot of other things that go on on this campus. And so we try to carry that responsibility the right way. But sometimes people think, well, student-athletes are over here and the rest of the student body is over there. And we work hard to uh, – make sure that gap is bridged if it there ever was one. And, you know, and I think a lot of that success in the, it goes to the leadership of our student-athletes themselves, President Bourne, the kind of community that he creates here uh, that people share. And I think all those kinds of things make for a better experience overall, Chris, because, look, what we're trying to do is prepare people for life after sports. You know, maybe they have professional opportunities when they w- they leave our campus with a degree and maybe that's the end of their competitive career. So we try to help them be successful in whatever their endeavor yeah, is that's, going to be.
0: I, I see it. I see it firsthand. I see, you know, uh, student athletes within the student population. You know, there's not that uh, w- we're up here and they're down here. I, I see other student athletes supporting other sports. It's, it, it's pretty special. Speaking of special, you and I last chatted pregame before the unveiling against Louisiana Monroe of the new – Bolden South End Zone. Uh, first and foremost, how proud of you? How proud are you of the way that this has played out throughout the season and kind of the the ambiance that you get from this new Bolden South End Zone?
1: Very proud, and not only about the accomplishment, but the people that work so hard behind the scenes to help make it happen. As we've talked before, Chris, I mean, we are talking about breaking ground in August of 2015. So 13 months later, we're putting people in the stands and we understand there's other parts of the construction site that is uh, ongoing and will uh, continue until its completion and moving football in probably next spring after spring football sometime thereabouts but uh, that was all part of the great plan and you know it took a lot it took a lot you know the contractor obviously the architect staff you know uh, you know Larry Nafie, Greg Tipton, um, Kenny, Luther, Yeah, so many people on our staff, Lindy, and uh, certainly um, staff that has been dealing with um, the transition for ticket holders or season ticket holders. So uh, Charlie Taylor's not here anymore. He's gone to Iowa. But Patrick Nolan and the ticket office, Michael Alford and McKay and and, um, Matt Shaper-Cotter and and our whole team in development, um, Patrick Nolan. It, it it. Eli, you know, there's so many people. I don't want to leave anybody out, but I I recognize what a great fortune I have here um, to work with such talented and dedicated people. I mean, I walked, it wasn't, you know, a month before the season. I, I was over here working late myself, and I'm uh, leaving the stadium, and I run into Michael Byrne and Danny Davis. And uh, what are you all doing? <laughs> well, we've been here um, counting seats because we had to make sure that the manifest the, of the uh construction is identical to what we have in tickets. So when wow. we send these tickets to fans, they know when they show up. Those <laughs> seats going to be there. Now they think that people think I oh, what? You know, they you have all these you know, high-paid architects don't they get it right? Well, sometimes, mm-hmm. you know, when they design it and what they build and you're talking about a massive, oh, you cheers. know, you have to go back and check every little thing to make sure it got you know implemented the right way and and of course you find a few things so you f- get it fixed before people show up on game day so again i i wanted to take a few moments just to describe what a enormous task that was and let's give credit to the fans you know who have uh, have uh, embraced the opportunity have stepped forward have you know they've acquired a suite a club seat a lounge right. box or the fans that were in the south end zone that maybe even begrudgingly, you know, moved to make way for this. And we've taken care of them in a south end zone seat. They don't have to uh, make a donation if they didn't want to. Or the people that had to move, we took the the old visiting section and moved it somewhere. And that impacted a few people. And, you know, I know there were some inconveniences for some, but everybody understands that we're trying to do something great for Oklahoma in the long run, and I appreciate everybody helping.
0: You know, it's funny because when, when we sat and we did this for the podcast last time, I, I reeled off a couple of behind-the-scenes people, and I left someone out, and you've already mentioned him. Uh, but since you had brought it up, I see Danny Davis every game. I mean, they, you would probably know him if you saw him, um, but you probably wouldn't know the name for most fans. It, the job he does is phenomenal, and it's an under unappreciated job, I think, for most fans. But Danny's a guy who's done it for a long time. He's been around here for a while, uh, and he's a very focused individual. I've really enjoyed getting to know Danny a little bit. And he's been a part of your team since what day one, right? Day one, yeah. yeah. He
1: was here, you know, in the, on the staff when I arrived. You know, you got guys like Robert Smith. No one yeah. ever talks about Robert Smith, but does an unbelievable job. Uh, Greg Smith or Smitty, not Schmitty, but right. Smitty, and <laughs> Schmitty does a great job too. <laughs> But Smitty it was, uh, you know, handles a lot of our maintenance. Mm-hmm. And you talk about, I mean, that, guy, that guy's here at 4 in the morning. I mean, these are dedicated people. I, I went up uh, to Jeff Salmon after the Ohio State game and told him, you know, that field was amazing. We had a, by even some of the announcers who came in to do the game, Called it a reign of biblical proportion <laughs> it, it was epic so we were hard, down there so hard, so fast, <laughs> but uh, that field was amazing, it had great footing you know for that game, so you, you, you tip your cap to those kind of people, and look you know there's a lot of people that do things that make
0: this university
1: successful, and we never forget them.
0: speaking of that, the role of the administrators you're a very busy man, obviously, and not only overseeing but also you're involved with the NCAA Selection Committee. You do a lot in the involvement of the student-athletes life. Can you kind of give us some perspective on the importance of the administrators for each staff? Obviously, you know, I've, I've worked real close with Tip for Baseball, Travel with Baseball, Kenny with Softball. Uh, you 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 look across this kind of landscape, but I don't know if many fans truly appreciate or maybe even understand the role of administrators.
1: Well, they're my uh, day-to-day uh administrator for the sports obviously i i work directly with head coaches a lot but there are so many different things that come up in a major massive program like oklahoma and they're vital you know to um you know to our success and you know there's so many different issues that that can develop when you're dealing with that many people that could be you know related to the transition academically uh oh, mike mead who's a sport administrator for rowing, you know, is doing a superb job in academic affairs. But there are all kinds of things from advising to handling classes and, you know, to running a, um, you know, a very tight ship uh, with integrity, you know, and knowing that our faculty rep you know, Dr. Kelly Danfuss has been incredible. Just he's incredible. everywhere. That, yeah. man,
0: that, man, that man was waiting for us one time, Josie, whenever we came back from a women's basketball trip from West Virginia at like 2.30 in the morning just to greet the girls as they came off the bus.
1: And he's the dean <laughs> of arts and science. <laughs> and, you know, by choice, he and his wife Beth uh, serve as a faculty in residence, which is a really sp- cool program on this campus for Heddington Hall. They've been there since day one. And they're like kind of a mom or dad, you know, to the – Residents of Headington Hall. I mean, they're just incredible. But you, you realize all the people you mentioned, and they're interacting with our coaches, or you know, in some cases, do nothing. Mean, there could be things travel. You know, we get a team stuck somewhere in the middle of the winter because there's a snowstorm, and you know, they're trying to get from one place to the other, or they're out on the road longer than they were anticipated. You have to be able to manage all that the right way, or you know, something with a facility, or something you know that you know deals with the scheduling problem you know maybe it's the visiting team having a right. hard time getting here so they're just little f- things that could be major if they're not handled the right way so they're vital to
0: our success you were you mentioned when we started about you know by the time you get to enjoy things it's like the new year is here already um, you have to look around the college I, I know Bob Stoops talks a lot about there's not really a team he doesn't play anymore where there's not some sort of tie there's not an assistant or a former player or somebody which is awesome but I look around the country there's not many places where there isn't a tie to Joe Castiglione I mean I think about uh our friend Derek Gregg down at the yep. University of Tulsa uh you know you look across the Kirby Holcutt you, you you look all I mean you've got to be pretty proud of this oh. administrative tree that you got going on too I learned a
1: long time ago that mentorship has to be part of a successful leader and I was a beneficiary of that as I was coming up through the through the world I mean we're in my office doing this uh <laughs> interview and you could look up on my shelves right here and those hats of other universities aren't there because I'm a necessarily a direct fan, but they represent the universities that uh, have athletic directors that I once hired. Oh, that's awesome, mentor. And so uh, that's something that's very very special. You know, Jeff Long oh. over at the University of Arkansas spent three and a half years here. You know, he was the first chair. College Football Playoff Selection Committee, and now Kirby Holcutt.
0: Mm-hmm. <laughs> two,
1: two Josie guys. <laughs> Very proud of those guys. Uh, Kirby at Texas Tech now, and Colorado State's new athletic director is Joe Parker, who worked here. Uh, the uh, University of Mississippi, Ole Miss, athletic director, Ross Bjork, worked for me at Missouri. Um, you know, Dr. Brandon Martin is at Cal State Northridge. Uh, we had... Um, um, Houston Baptist University is the first guy I ever hired. Really? My first full time job at Rice University. His name's Steve Maniachi. Wow. Uh, And, you know, there there are many others. You mentioned Derek Gragg and Damon Evans, who was at Georgia, and Bruce Vandervelde and uh, Peter Fields at Montana State. And so they're they're literally all over the country. Uh, Keith Gill, who worked here, has been. Doing a phenomenal job now as athletic director at University of Richmond. He was at he was at American U before that. Rick Hart at SMU. Yes, you know was uh, left here to be the AD at Tennessee Chattanooga and been at SMU for a few years. So uh, very very proud of uh, very proud
0: of those those people. Couple more because uh, I know you're busy. and Really appreciate all the time. What in your opinion? and, and I know there might not be one thing. But people have started to catch on of this trio and the success of Joe Castiglione, David Bourne, and Bob Stoops (laughs) in the longest now tenured, I think, President AD uh, coach trio in college football. Is there – I mean, what do you point to? What do you see as the reason why the three of you have been able to work so well together, Joe, and have so much success? I mean, I know there's not just one thing, but is there anything that really sticks out? Yeah, there's uh, multiple reasons. Uh, Well, we all
1: share one thing in common and that's putting ourselves our own interests aside and in doing what's best for the University of Oklahoma and the people that are part of Oklahoma. That's certainly one of the reasons that we've been able to figure out what to do. And it doesn't necessarily mean that we all get to do exactly what we want to do when right. we want to do it. Right. Sometimes there are sacrifices. Uh, that's part of it. And and you know, we, we're fortunate that we're part of a phenomenal university in a spectacular state. And you realize any of the success that has occurred here at Oklahoma is because of a lot of people, like we spent good part of this <laughs> interview talking about. So you, you recognize the family that exists. Families have challenges. Families have struggles. Families have success, you know, <laughs> and, you know, we don't, you know, get um, – Get our priorities out of line in uh, supporting people and helping people. And our success is rooted in the success of others. I would think those are the common themes. And we understand the challenges. We're a big program. Right. And when you have success, what happens? It's the expectation of more success. It grows, and yeah. Sometimes they're realistic and sometimes it's not. But we are uh, always mindful of keeping you know, the right balance not letting, you know, sometimes even negativity uh skew our our goal to to do things the right way. You know, in our world, sometimes people want it now and uh regardless of what you have to do to get it. Well, you know what, Chris? We're going to continue. We're disciplined in our formula. We are absolutely totally committed to our core values and we understand our purpose. And so uh you know, we want to win every contest that we compete in, but um we're certainly always going to compete the right way, grounded in the right values. Um
0: has the role you've played on the selection committee and in all the different committees you've been on, has that in any way, shape or form changed kind of the way you look at maybe scheduling or at least the advice you would give to coaches on scheduling? I, I and again, I know that's kind of a you know, a, a broad thought because I know you've been involved in so much And I know you take a little bit from everything, but just maybe more directly in being the head of the NCAA tournament, seeing kind of how everyone views the selection process. Has that kind of changed anything in your process and mindset when it comes to laying out schedules and how games should be scheduled?
1: Maybe a deeper understanding of scheduling, but not necessarily a significant change because I've always subscribed to the importance of a strength of schedule, whether it's in football basketball the other sports and understanding you know the important metrics that are considered when decisions are made you know if you're in a bracket where you're facing a certain number of teams in a competition to get to the end point or a championship one knows what you have to do to face the other now there may be in some system in place or philosophy that the bracket was seated who's going to face that's fine, but it, our postseason isn't always developed like that, you know, and it's changed over time. We had the BC.S era, we have the college football playoff era. We had a smaller uh, tournament years ago with the NCA. Now it's at 68 teams. Mm-hmm. Being on the committee, we know we only can select 36. So you have 36 opportunities for teams that are selected from a much larger pool. So one has to think about what is going to differentiate the team that you have control over versus somebody else. And the only thing you can control obviously is um, to some degree scheduling. Not always, but some degree. You can't control that you win every game, but you certainly do the things that you believe have the best chance to put a team in a position to win. And the cumulative totals of the outcomes of those games are going to differentiate, you know, one team over the other. So I always believe that the strength of schedule is vital and it served us well in the BCS era. And there's no doubt that four of those championship opportunities came because we had beaten first played and then beaten (laughs) good teams, both in our conference and out of conference. Now, you know, this year we uh, football, we had probably the, tough or tougher schedule, non-conference than anybody. Um, and we still play non-conference games. We voted to have a championship game in Big 12. That won't happen until, you know, next year. But, hey, we've played tough games. And, you know, I know we all wish we would have won those two, but it doesn't change our philosophy of playing a good out-of-conference schedule. Look at what, you know, Sherry has done this for a long time in yeah, women's yeah. basketball. No question. Patty Gasso, you look at how she's – you know, position our plays top the best game, every uh, year. And you know, who else is doing that? Um, is, uh, KJ Kindler with women's gymnastics? UCLA coming in here and, uh, this uh, year. She, she's competing against the best, you know, there is, uh, you know, Mark Williams is, <laughs> he's, uh, <laughs> you <know>, savant <laughs> at winning national championships, <laughs> but you know, with men's gymnastics. I mean, they're, they're competing against the best there is in men's gymnastics, no doubt, but this pool is smaller. Um, but uh, I think Coach Hughes has done that in baseball and challenging the team. And, you know, there's risk-reward to that. Absolutely. You know, you're not going to win those. People get upset. You know, okay, are we – you feel better if you go and compete against teams where the outcome really isn't all that surprising? You right. Know, you know, you basically, you know because of the difference in teams, that you're most likely going to win the game before you even step on a field. Right. I mean, does that make people feel better? You know, so – I have always said, you know, that you have to strike a balance. You can also overschedule yourself, Absolutely. get caught up in all this and put too many tough games, and then a team, you know, doesn't have a chance to develop. You don't have the chance to develop other players um, or, and, or other student-athletes in whatever sport it is. So there's must be a balance. But I, I think Oklahoma, being what it is, you know, the successful program that we have, the tradition, you know, that we're going to play the best. And – you know, seeking some of these great matchups that don't happen very often, like Ohio State, like Notre Dame, like Florida State. We play UCLA next year. We've got one with Michigan series, that is. We've got Nebraska back on the schedule. Yep. You got LSU down the road. Uh, we're talking to a couple other schools. So we're going to continue to do that. And, you know, like uh, you see in some of the schedules this year, you know, men's basketball playing at Wisconsin. You know, but women's basketball is playing tough schedule. We're going to continue to do it.
0: Real quick before I let you go, what's next? It's always what's next, right? So we got this new, beautiful south end zone uh, facility. Guys are going to be moving into it in the spring. What's next in the vision for uh, Joe C. on the overall plan? So,
1: you know, I would say (laughs) which sport? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Because we have something uh, going on in a good number of them, if they haven't already just That's exciting, though, isn't it? Oh, really is. Well, it's always a, a part of our core value system is a commitment to continuous improvement. So we've got the short course. No, oh, yeah, that looks great. That uh, mm-hmm. help our men's and women's golf programs. Uh, certainly, uh, future phases of the renovation to Gaylord Family Oklahoma Memorial Stadium. You know, we know we need to do something with Lloyd Noble Center. It, economy being what it is, we're we're uh, working through that.
0: Would you not say, though, baby steps there, too, whenever you look at what uh, the, the gift from Blake Griffin and, and with the uh, Performance well, that, Center?
1: that's where I was headed. Yeah. You know, that's um, The Performance Center was a step, you know, it's a phase of our master plan, and that's getting underway in the next, ooh, six or eight weeks. Wow. Uh, the, certainly, uh, we've done some work at softball and and, and uh, baseball stadiums, but we have a big master plan that we're getting ready to make public here in the not-too-distant future. Uh, again, because of, as we... You know, we have to generate the necessary funds privately. Right. You know to construct these facilities. We don't have the Maps Project <laughs> <laughs> like in <laughs> Oklahoma City, which has done wonderful things. So we don't have that in Norman. Everything we do has to be f- privately funded through basically gifts from the private sector. But uh, you know, we have something. Gymnastics. I know one thing we're going to do for our gymnastics program that we're going to we're going to build team facilities, new locker rooms, new meeting, meeting areas, basic team lounge to go with our practice facility, which is fantastic, but we just need some better team areas there. And, uh, oh, you know, we worked on rowing, you know, recently and done some work up at the uh, area where our, our team practices on the Oklahoma river in Oklahoma city. So again, I'm not leaving any, any sport out tennis. We have a, you know, tennis locker room project that we're designing right now. And, you know, Ultimately, when we move into the new um, offices and meeting rooms, locker room, everything for football, you know, there will be a, a project that is being developed and designed for the corner of Jenkins and Lindsay where the old Bud Wilkinson Ooh. dorm is. So we don't have that ready to announce yet.
0: But like you said, there's always something next. <laughs> Thanks, Joe. I appreciate Chris, it. It's my pleasure. Great stuff. He's great. He is great. Uh, I always appreciate the time that he gives us. I appreciate Jan, his secretary, who worked very hard with making sure that we could make this happen. We had a couple of uh, couple of times whenever we were scheduled to chat, and because of schedules, they had to be shifted around. But Jan never gave up on it. We never gave up on it. And there you go. I hope you guys enjoyed it as much as we enjoyed bringing it to you. Don't forget, Monday morning, we'll have the refresher recapping not only the OU Texas Tech game, but that pride a Sooner exhibition match. We'll also recap the Sooners. The Sooners have two soccer games this weekend, not only playing at home on Friday night, but then on Sunday they travel and play Cal State Northridge, and of course a volleyball recap as well. That's all coming up on the Refresher on Monday morning. So everyone have a great weekend. Let's watch as the Sooners hopefully pull off their fourth win in a row in conference play, and until the Refresher on Monday morning, Boomer Sooner, everybody. This has been the Sooner Sports Podcast. Make sure to get all the latest episodes online right now at Soonersports.tv slash podcast. And make sure to follow us on Twitter at OUOnTheAir. on the air. <laughs>